0: You are, as a saved person, to apply the principle of a completed canon. Let me explain what I mean. If the canon of scripture is complete and finished, then we must be careful to err on the side of what God has revealed, not on what the culture is saying.
1: Welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogie. Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church of Buford, South Carolina. We have been looking at God's final warning in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, which talks of the consequences of adding to or subtracting from Scripture. As we rejoin Dr. Brogy, he explains that this warning is clear and explicit, and it is to be taken at face value that adding to or subtracting from the scriptures even includes any new revelation, even if it comes in the form of an unknown tongue or prayer language.
0: God is giving a clear warning here in the last book. Now in fairness to my charismatic and Pentecostal friends who say they are receiving new revelation when they speak in tongues or when they get a vision from God or a dream or a word of prophecy, Some will admit, in fairness to them, that maybe what they're receiving is not quite as inspired as Peter or Paul or John. That's nonsense. Because there are not degrees of inspiration. Either God said it or he didn't say it at all. There is no in-between. And so someone speaks in a tongue, and I'm going to the Ukraine later this month, because there's a huge problem with this new apostolic reformation movement that is sweeping Western and Eastern Europe. It's in churches like this church, Bethel. Remember that lady who lost her dear little precious child? And for four days, they tried to raise that child from the dead. You talk about gross error. It is sweeping America. It is the fastest growing religious movement today in the world. But I will remind them, listen, if someone speaks in a tongue and someone else over here says, I have the gift of interpretation. there are two separate gifts. You take that tongue, you record it. You find anybody else in the world, you choose someone else with the gift of interpretation and let them hear the same tongue and see if they come up with the same interpretation. It has never, ever, ever happened. Because it is a fake, it is a fraud, it is a phony, It is not like anything what we are reading in the New Testament. And I've given a lot of thought. I did my doctoral dissertation on it. I read over 300 books in my bibliography, and you couldn't pad it. Back then, you had a team of 12 men, and they could say, what about this book on page 4 of your bibliography? Give me a summary of it. Believe me, trust me. What we are seeing today is not what the scripture says. And so in fairness to some of them, they're saying, well, you know, maybe we're just not quite as inspired. There are no degrees of inspiration. That's liberalism. That's what liberal Protestant critics argue for degrees of inspiration. Look, it doesn't matter if it's Joseph Smith or Judge Rutherford or Ellen G. White or Mary Baker Eddy. God has given us a completed revelation, and he warns here, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. It's a warning. What plagues? The seal, trumpet, and bowl judgments. You see, John taught the imminent return. Of the Lord. He believed it could happen in his day, that the church could be taken up. And as someone was adding to the word of God, they were proof positive that they were lost and they could not claim the promise that Jesus gave to the church at Philadelphia and by extension, all the churches. He said in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I will also keep you from the hour of testing. That hour which is about to come upon the whole world. By the way, there's never been an hour of testing that has come on every single nation of the world, even the bubonic plague affected parts, but what we are talking about is the hour of testing that Jesus said would be unprecedented in human history during that seven-year period as the seal, trumpet, and bold judgments are unfolded. He will say, if you keep the word of my perseverance, that is marking you as a saved person. You're not saved by perseverance, but if you're saved, you will persevere. I will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour that has come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Anyone not heeding the warning is giving proof positive that they are lost. And if the rapture happens in their lifetime, they will meet these judgments. And if they die before it, they will still meet God in the eternal judgment as the next verse of Scripture is going to affirm. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues. It's a play on words here. You add to God's word, He'll add the plagues to your life. Those who tamper with God's truth are saying it's not complete. It's sheer unbelief that what God gave us is a good product. Now let's go to the second point, and I'm almost done. And it concerns the warning of subtracting from God's word. It's a serious issue to tamper by adding to God's word, but it is just as serious to subtract from God's word. So we read now in verse 19, and if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city, which are written in this book. So the warning of adding is a severe warning just as the warning of taking away is very severe. It's equally dangerous because God warns that this person will have his part taken away from the tree of life and from the holy city. Again, it's a plain word. You take away from God's word, then God will take away from your part of the tree of life and that is a promise that every child of God will participate in someday in heaven. God will take away his part from the tree of life. Some say, well, this is someone who has saved and lost it. That's ridiculous. John has already affirmed as we have studied the eternal security of the believer. He has given throughout the book marks of conversion. True believer will overcome. A true believer will persevere. And a true believer will not add or subtract to what God has given us in his infallible word. God wants people to be saved. He wishes none to perish. But some people, by their unbelief, saying, I reject what God has given me, they will have no part in the tree of life. So Joel Olstein, pastor of Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas, interviewed at Easter on the CBS Morning News. He's asked by the interviewer why he doesn't preach on hell. He said, quote, People already feel guilty enough. They're not doing what they should, raising their kids. We can, find all, we can all find reasons, so I want them to come to Lakewood or our meetings and be lifted up to be able to say, you know what, I may not be perfect, but I'm moving forward, I'm doing better, and I think that motivates you to do better. Well, we do not need to feel better. We need to be born again. And if you don't preach on the doctrine of eternal retribution, that sin has consequences, then you see no real need for a Savior. And the silly little phrase that he adds at the end of every service, if you're not born again, invite Jesus into your heart, has nothing to do with the rest of Holy Scripture. But you see, we live in a day of biblical ignorance. And most Christians can't tell the difference. So Larry King is interviewing him. He said, well, how about issues, you know, that the church has feelings about? Abortion, same-sex marriage? Osteen says, yeah, you know what, Larry, I I don't go there. I just, you have thoughts, though. Yeah, I have thoughts. I just, you know, I don't think that a same-sex marriage is the way God intended it to be. I don't think abortion is the best. I think there are other, you know, a better way to live your life. But I'm not going to condemn those people. I tell them all the time that our church is open for everybody. You don't call them sinners? No, I don't. In the same interview, of course, he denies that Jesus is the only way to God. Now, that's the real corker, and he has all kinds of letters, and he says, well, I didn't really mean that. Three times over, you can hear it. I won't take the time to read it. He denies Jesus is the only way to God. You think he would have fixed it? Again on Oprah, a third time. He denies Jesus is the only way to God, my friend that is a false teacher. Look, if a blind man is headed for a cliff and he doesn't see it, it is unloving if you do not warn him. And it is just as unloving if you do not call sin, sin, because unless you call sin, sin, no one will ever really see their need for a Savior. It is unbelief That takes away from what God has plainly said. And so we have all these politicians running for president of the United States who are perversion-loving, Israel-hating, baby-killing right up to the day the baby's born, every one of them. Who would have ever imagined you've got some squirming little baby in the hospital room that survives an abortion, and every single one of them says, if you want to kill it, then kill it. I could never put my vote down for such an evil, wicked kind of thought. God's ways are the best ways. And when we take away from what he has said, we are basically saying we do not believe God. Now let me apply this. Number one, a true believer will not purposely add or subtract from God's word. Now the tragedy of unbelief throughout human history can really be summarized through these two warnings of adding or subtracting. And all the cults or false teachers or isms, that's what they're doing in either action, marks a person as lost. This is a mark that they are lost. They are in unbelief. And I hope you are listening. God has not called people to be editors or redactors of his word. We are not to change. We are not to rearrange. We are not to make it politically correct. We are to be under the authority of Scripture. We are not to be over the Scripture. And so LifeWay Research just this week came out and said 47%, nearly half of all mainline Protestant pastors now support same-sex marriage. What are they doing? They're sitting in judgment of the Holy Scripture. They are judging what God has said to be false. That's a lot of pastors leading a lot of people into hell and again. We should name names, we are to mark them as Paul did with Hymenaeus and Philetus and as John did with Diotrephes. The Bible is the living seed. It is the imperishable word of God by which someone is born again, and it is the unadulterated truth by which someone will grow up in Christ. And a true born-again Christian would never willfully poison his own food. He would never go against what God has written in this book. Jesus said it's a mark of belief. If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. True Christians are keen on God's word. They honor God's word. They love God's word like King David. They say, oh Lord, your law, how I love it. Nothing needs to be added. Nothing needs to be subtracted. Secondly, not only will a true believer not purposely add or subtract to God's word, the second application is a true believer should apply the principle of a completed canon. You are, as a saved person, to apply the principle of a completed canon. Let me explain what I mean. If the canon of Scripture is complete and finished, then we must be careful to err on the side of what God has revealed, not on what the culture is saying. So take, for instance, a new label that has come into a number of ministries called the Gay Christian. And of course, it's come even into the group that I worked for for 12 years, Campus Crusade, now called Crew. Tim Keller, the so-called Christian apologist, who's having a part in the Revoice movement, says, and he wrote pastors last summer all across the country, telling us that we should make our churches gay-friendly. Look, anybody is welcomed here, anybody can come here. We love prostitutes, we love perverts, we love gay people, we love transgender, I don't care what you are. Anyone is welcome, not everyone is welcome to be a member. Conversion must take place. And so Rachel Gilson, who speaks to some 5,000 Campus Crusade staff at Crew 19, she said, and I quote, there is no command in scripture to be straight There is a command to be faithfully single or to be faithfully married, and so you can do either of these without being straight. Now, she's the director of theological development for the Northeast for the crew ministry. And when she spoke at a Christmas conference to a large body of students, she said that God hates divorce, and because God hates divorce, a lesbian couple, quote, may stay married if they are celibate. Listen, when she says the Bible does not call us to be straight, that's patently false. Because Romans 1 calls homosexual behavior a degrading passion, unnatural, against nature. Now even these parachurch ministries and these local church ministries, what are they doing now? They're they're, they're saying that if you're converted and you have same-sex attraction feelings, you can embrace those. That's the Revoice movement that is coming into the PCA. That's Sam Attlebury that's walked in the front door and infiltrating some Southern Baptist churches. That you can embrace these feelings. No, they're not to be embraced. To merge the thought of being a gay Christian is blasphemous. So Crusade called me two weeks ago. They said, Pastor Carl, we want to come in and present to you and your church the Crystal Award. The Crystal Award, yes. Because since you've been the pastor of the church, Community Bible Church has given over $1 million to Campus Crusade. I had no idea we had given that much. I said, I don't want you to come in. With the president, Steve Douglas wants to come in and give it to you. You can mail it. I said, until you clean up some of these areas. Now, listen, every crew staff, as far as we know, and I'm getting ready to survey every single one of them, are solid people, and there are thousands of good people, and a lot of them are afraid for their job as they're whistleblowers and saying what is going on behind the scenes. But I said, you don't clean up your act. You're not going to come in and present some award to me. That's like me giving credence to this organization. And I know what you're gonna do. You're gonna use me to raise funds. Here's a guy who came to faith through crew. Here's a guy who worked for 12 years. Here's a guy whose church gave over a million dollars. They said, not on your life. It's very heartbreaking. I mean, why don't we call ourselves lesbian Christians? or bisexual Christians, or transgender Christians, or fornicating Christians, or prostitute Christians, Listen, when someone comes from that background and they're truly converted, it doesn't mean they can't struggle with those feelings, but because they are a new creature in Christ Jesus, they don't say, I embrace these feelings. Just like heterosexual lust is wrong, I hate these feelings and God is a new creature. I want you to change me and I want you to bring me under the sanctifying power that the Spirit of God brings. But to embrace this kind of thinking like some crude leaders are doing, they need to be fired. They need to be fired. They need to be thrown out of the organization. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6 that people who live this way have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. I was pleased when Lifeway Books took Jen Hatmaker off as one of their leading authors, and she made millions of dollars in the backs of evangelicals. But she said this, it is high time Christians open wide their arms, wide their churches, wide their tables, wide their homes to the LGBT community from a spiritual perspective. Since gay marriage is legal in all 50 states, our communities have plenty of gay couples who just like the rest of us need marriage support and parenting help in Christian community. They are either going to find those resources in the church or they are not. Again, she writes in another article, this is a fact, thousands of churches and millions of Christ followers faithfully read the scriptures and with thoughtful and academic work come out to different conclusions on homosexuality and countless other issues. Godly, respectable leaders have exegeted the Bible and there is absolutely not unanimity on its interpretation. There never has been historically. Christian theology has always been contextually bound and often inconsistent with itself. An inconvenient truth we prefer to selective explain, not on the moral issues, for 2,000 years, for 6,000 years with Jewish history, there has been one view on this LGBTQ lifestyle and that it is wrong. Yet Beth Moore comes out just a few weeks ago in reference to this author, and she says, it was a blast. It was indeed a blast to be a guest on her beloved, on my beloved friend's uh, podcast for the love. Oh my gosh, Jen Hatmaker and I laughed our heads off through the years, and also we have shed tears. If you don't want to love her, do not ever, 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 ever get to know her. Girl has the most honest, the goodness, world's best personality, and will love you to no end through thick and thin. Jen, I love you dearly. I am so unworthy of your words, but I'm thankful to God that you see me through the eyes of grace. Thank you, my friend. Has Beth Moore never read Romans 16, 17? I suppose she doesn't want to obey that any more than she wants to obey 1 Timothy two twelve. where many a Sunday she is in a church taking the role of a pastor. Recently, the president of the largest Protestant evangelical denomination said that when we are dealing with transgender people who come into the church, that we need to use, quote-unquote, pronouns of hospitality. He said, and I quote, if a transgender person came into our church, came into my life, I think my disposition would be to refer to them by their preferred pronoun. So if Patty wants to be called Pete, and if he wants to be called she... We're supposed to do that. I think Jesus would simply say, have you not read that he created them male and female? I hope you know there is absolutely no such thing as a transgender person. When God created you, he either made you with XX chromosomes or XY chromosomes. He didn't make you with XXY chromosomes or XYX chromosomes. It is always loving to speak the truth rather than to give some affirmation of someone who is suppressing the truth. Transgender behavior is the ultimate expression of saying, God, my creator, I reject the way you made me. I want someone to change my body. Referring to a person who is biologically male as she or her is a lie. It is speaking a lie. It is not speaking the truth in love. And it's enabling, it is condoning their wickedness. And God created them in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them, period. Third and finally, a true believer should embrace the sufficiency of God's word. When I went into the ministry 40 years ago, the battle that was raging concerned the inerrancy of Scripture. Today, the battle is over the sufficiency of Scripture. That is to say, is God's Word enough to reach the lost, to grow the saved, or do we need something else? And so Bill Hybels and Rick Warren jettisoned expository preaching for seeker-sensitive services. We're way past that now. And what it has led to are churches that are questioning the sufficiency of Scripture. So, you know, if uh, you were a modern pastor, we might black this whole place out and we'd have smoke coming and we'd have a rock band and because that's how we're gonna win the loss. Yeah, you'll win them. You'll win them into the kingdom of hell and not into the kingdom of God. Listen, we live in a day where there's a lot of theological mischief, where the sufficiency of God's word is being denied, and so we hear to all these people, you know, God spoke to me. God told me to tell you this. Let me tell you the vision and the dream that God gave me. What are they saying? They're saying the scripture is not sufficient. We need something else, and it is sufficient. And if we do not recognize it, the churches in America will go into total apostasy. They may anyway, because we may be in the final chapter. But listen, I don't know what the rest of the country is gonna do, but I can tell you what this pastor is gonna do. (laughs) I'm gonna preach the word in season and out of season. I would rather die than do some of the weird things that pastors are doing today. You don't evaluate your spirituality by experience. Let me ask you a question. What theological group does the following best describe? Being slain in the spirit. You know, that's when people fall over. Prophesying or speaking new revelation. Erratic jerking and shaking, uncontrollable laughter, speaking in tongues, miraculous healings. What group would that best describe? Most of you would probably say, well, charismatic Pentecostals, maybe the New Apostolic Reformation Movement, the World Faith Movement. In that sense, you'd be right, but you would be equally correct to say a Hindu. Because Hinduism does the exact same things and you can put side by side what is going in the Kundalini Hinduism movement and the charismatic movement, and there is absolutely no difference at all. That should tell you something. That should put you on alert as to what is really happening in this day. What is the source of these experiences? It doesn't matter how real the experience is. Your experience is not authoritative. Your experience must be brought in submission to the Word of God. Paul will say, do not exceed what is written. And that's what we have today with the Stephen Furticks and the Joyce Myers and the Beth Moores. They are exceeding what God has written. God has given us His Word, and it is sufficient to equip us for every good work, Paul will say, It is a settled and sealed deal, and we do not have to add or subtract to it. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus is your Lord, he loves you, Christ died for you. And if you will change your mind about sin and how you're going to be saved, and come put your faith where God put your sin on a bloody substitute who is raised from the dead, he will forgive you, He will put his spirit within you. He'll write your name in the Lamb's book of life, and when you die or when he comes back, he will take you there. Now, our Father, we thank you for the one who alone can forgive sin. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you said, the warning you have given us as a church. Lest someone come in unannounced, unsuspected, and try to draw away disciples of Christ, our Father, may we learn this book, may we put our head in this book for the Lord of God, the word of God is your God-breathed word you have spoken. Father, I pray today for someone here who is unsure that heaven is really their home. And I pray today that they might call upon Christ in faith for you promise whoever will call on his name will be saved. Help them to say Lord Jesus Save me. And we ask it in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.
1: To listen again to today's next-to-last message in our study of the Revelation, use the Search the Scriptures app for smartphones and tablets or visit us online at searchthescriptures.org. You can also order a CD or DVD by calling 877-787-7478 and request program REV72. Tomorrow, Dr. Broogie's wife, Audrey, is in this time slot with her program for women, Mothering from the Heart. And when we return Monday, we'll begin the last message in our series on the Revelation. Join us then as we search the Scriptures.